Okay, I'm going to take it right. Well, I really wish I was going to be doing more than one a month, and I'm getting really close again to not doing the pot anymore. But anyway, so the subspench, that's what, the April edition? Anyway, um, it's what we I wanted to talk West Ham for a bit, and God, this week turned into a whole mixture of weirdness. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really why I'm glad I've never really planned out anything over the ten years I've been doing this. Anyway, Duffy's Duffy's up in um up in uh, sunny Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, I'm in cold Buffalo because you know Mm-mm. I live by like two great lakes. So, God forbid it could go from 51 day to two inches of snow to 70 the next day. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of New York. Anyway, um, I've been listening to a lot of really random EPL podcasts because Matt Mark Stone decided to end his podcast. There's yet another podcast I'm going to outlive. It's in the thousands at this point. (sighs) Well, anyway, I have kind of a love or kind of a – I like looking in – it's the West Ham USA pod. They're really good, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. So I have Tony Clark, who's also, as I found, an MLS fan. So Duffy can wax prophetic about it. I'm still not completely back watching MLS, and it's not due to the pandemic. I've realized it's due to USA missing World Cup about, what, now like three, four years ago at this point which is the only audible F word and the longest audible F word I've ever had on air. And this is my, and Tony, to give you the heads up, I came back in 2011. I went to school for this stuff. And I got a station basically, I got my radio station in Kansas almost kicked off after the um, Circus versus Kansas title game. Mm-hmm. I was hosting mm-hmm. the post game of it, and someone decided to ask me about Circus because I I know Bayheim. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, we're going to be off air really soon with me on this one. But anyway, now throughout the whole South. Super League stuff, obviously as a fan of a team that wasn't going to it, and that's criminally stupid. I, I hate this view of big versus small teams so it, because it's so jolted towards the EPL years. This would have really benefited West Ham because that would take all the greedy, hungry teams out. And you guys are having a hell of a year. Yeah, I... I don't know how to how to. This obviously makes great podcasting, but I have two different opinions on it because, frankly, I I secretly want it to happen so that it would fall flat on its face, and and absolutely embarrass these clubs. Uh, however, I also don't want it to happen because is although it would benefit us getting rid of those six teams, we would have to significantly drop our our wage budget you know these sky and bt and amazon 
surely would not pay the same a TV right money without those six teams, no? Well, they no, were going to exactly. be – they were still – the Premier League was still going to stay, I, at least my understanding, was still going to be the Premier League. I think this this would just be like – not instead of being in the Champions League, they had their own little midweek game uh, thing that we're just going to do – Right, but I, I think that that is I think that is absolutely horse crap. But because, um, sorry, I got oh, it. somebody called me right in the middle, so I had to get rid of that. Uh, so oh, I, sorry. I, but I don't know where where uh, they decided that Tottenham was one of the biggest clubs, uh, one of the top yeah. six. I mean, I like Tottenham, but mm, come on, I don't. Well, but <laughs> obviously, but here's the thing, and, and to me, and that's 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 horseshit because let me let me tell you why. They they either if they were going to do this and this is why I said I don't have an issue with them if they want to go they can screw off and do it um and, and fall flat on their face however I I've, I don't have an issue with a billionaire owner in injecting their own personal money from other ventures into their club mm-hmm. and having rich clubs like I, I find it annoying but I, I that's that's the reality that it is especially yeah. when you support West Ham and you don't have that money. However, I feel like it's a significant unsporting advantage for these six clubs to have this reported, what was it, $4.3 million, $3.5 million pounds or whatever, um, to come from an elite league that is separated that you have no chance of getting into. Right. And, and then if they're going to compete in the Premier League, I apologize for rambling, but if they're going to uh, compete in the Premier League as well, you're now going to have six teams with an extra three point five billion on of uh, yeah. revenue. Yeah, that that that's not fair. I know life's not fair, um, and having rich owners may not be fair, but that's their own money. This money and and revenue into the club is coming from the club and not right. the owner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because you think about it, um, you know, the lot. I was listening actually. Uh, was it? Perez or someone was saying because of the pandemic, they need this extra money because they they've lost so much money. But come on, the Premier League's been a lot of those clubs have been living so high on the hog. And I mean, Barcelona needs it because they don't have any money. You know, they're they have massive debt. So I get why they want to do it. And Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to do whatever they're going to do in Spain because they're it in Spain and Atletico mm-hmm. is pretty much just going to do what they're going to do just so they can, uh, stay with them. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm with you. I mean, if you want, if you have money in your own pocket, you want to put it in your club. Great. But you know, what makes the NFL so strong is that everybody shares that money. That's how green Bay is able to compete with, you know, the, the New Yorks and the Dallas's and whatever, because everybody shares the pie, you know, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense to me. I think that should be a given if you, you know, because you're only as good as the league you're in. You could be a great team, but I mean, Celtic and Rangers are historically great teams in their league, you know, but yeah. you know, I hope they throw the book at these guys because my thing is if you just, you let them off with, with, oh, well, don't do it again. They're just going to try it again because I think they're, I think they figured there'd be some pushback, but I think they were shocked at how much pushback they got, you know, because, I mean, the Glazers haven't given a damn about anybody in Manchester for years. <laughs> Absolutely you know. not. <clears throat> and I saw a quote today, you know, from, uh, what is his name, Jason or whatever, the the young Glazer, kind of the face, 
saying, you know, uh, we misread the situation. We're very sorry. And, like, if you're a Manchester fan, and I'm not, by the way, I don't, you know, uh, how can you believe anything that guy says? Yeah, he's he's full of shit. Yeah, their their whole their whole group is, and 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 you can see the disconnect from those fans in the the disconnect from the owners and shareholders of those six clubs to their fan base. Mm -hmm. None none of their fan. I don't know a single Chelsea fan who 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 wanted this to happen. My best friend Clay, he's a Chelsea fan, and he was embarrassed. He was like, I I I don't even know. He didn't even have an opinion. He didn't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what's weird about it is I listen to, and I, I joke with Phil on this a lot, Phil Brown's Beyond the Pitch is basically a man, Manchester United pod now, and he did a pod with uh, Kel McFadden yesterday, and they were they were going back and forth on it, and Phil was saying is you – if you think that this is the first time they've thought about it, you're wrong. If you think that this ending it is going to be the end of it, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. In 2028, it's going to happen again. We've had this in, all right. And you know, who's behind all of this. It's Charlie Stellatano. That's Mm -hmm. the one that's pulling the, this on it. Now I got to, God forbid, I mean, he's been pulling the strings on this stuff since the 90s with Relevant and whatever it was, whatever it was before when he had it with Giorgio Tenalia. But, I mean, this is going to keep happening. You have got to seriously smack all of these clubs down if you're the EPL. None of this take money out. you got to relegate them a couple times now. You you got to take those six and put them down in like League Two. <laughs> that nah, I'm, 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 I'm I don't think that's going to happen. It's if not going to, but you have to you have to hit them hard on this. I mean, Edward Woodward has already walked away from Manchester sort of. United, and Anginelli's uh, um, gone yeah. at um, Juventus. Well, he's sort of walked away. He's 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 there through the end of the year. So. Well, yeah, but still, this is what got Woodward out of there, which is great. But at the same <laughs> point, you really got to smack them. And from Liverpool, you've got to you've got to go to Henry and go. All right, you gotta you gotta actually complete the sale. You guys gotta leave instead of this bullshit you guys have been pulling for the last three years. You almost lost Jurgen Klopp before the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. I want to see the end of uh, end of the season exit interviews that the that clubs will give with players and coaches. The one between uh, the Fenway group and Klopp because man he, him and Pep Guardiola were, were going off oh, on, yeah. on all of that. So, but how often does the, fin- the owner was of uh, Liverpool John Henry, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't spend much time in Liverpool, so and he probably will spend no, less time now. A, yeah. yeah, he has a guy that's there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's like Tom Moore or Tom Watson or some some name that is there. But I mean, more 
John Henry is not beyond bringing manager over and then firing him and telling him to get him the hell back. He did that to he did that to Sir Kenny Daglish. Mm-hmm. He fired him. He brought him to Boston and said, "Oh, by the way, you're fired." Now that'd be the longest Kenny, trip to get sacked. <laughs> well, and to be also honest, Kenny Daglish's son is down in Miami, and it's oh, not no. like Kenny doesn't have money. I mean. The man has not been stupid with money, and he's been basically out of managing for 10 years before he came back, so he's got money sitting around, so it wasn't stupid. I could, I hope you smack around these ones. And I, I, Go ahead. No, I'm, I got to disagree with you. I got to disagree with you a little bit here, my friend, because I, I, I hope that they get punished where I'd like to see maybe a, a point deduction. And this is me being selfish from a West Ham point of view. Yeah, that's all right. You're because because honestly, this is where it goes back to the, the West Ham, where I was talking about the wage bill and all of that. When those six clubs, as much as that, I think would have been for the, if they were just left completely. I know that you said that um, they wanted to do both leagues, but let's yeah. just say that I mean, they would have left. Understanding, so. Right, right, and they they put that in that that stupid little picture thing that they did on Twitter. But if they would have left completely, the the money that would have been in the English game would have significantly dropped, which would have made it much more competitive, and we would have had a whole restructure. It would have blown up the whole system. I, I get that, but now we're talking about them not leaving, and we're talking about sanctions. I would like to see them have a heavy point deduction where they're still in the Premier League but they may be not in European football next year. Right. Because if they're not in the Premier League, that hurts my team, and I'm being selfish. Yeah. Because that means the money in, in those TV contracts are going to go to the EFL. If you put Manchester United in League 2, that shit's going to be on TV every week. Yeah. I even watch, I I watch, watch the championship too. a lot. So Right. Uh, yeah. So I'm just saying, from a selfish point of view, without those six teams pulling in that money – that'll significantly still hurt my club. I don't even care if that put us in second and got us into the Champions League. Yeah. We will still need that Premier League money. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I hope they at least take Europe away from those six. Yes. Now, yes. Arsenal, yes. Arsenal and Spurs, I don't know if they're going to make it because I don't pay attention past really Southampton and Liverpool, to be honest, because I'm just biased as hell, but <laughs> I hope they take, I hope they take it. And I hope it's something like what happened to the English teams back in the eighties. After all the hooliganism, you go, all right, you guys are gone for five to six years. And then we'll think about it after that. Cause I know Liverpool was extended beyond that, beyond the original five. So I would do that, but, Going back to South, going back to West Ham. I mean, did you predict this with a David Moyes run team that you guys would be this damn good? It's funny that you say that. So at the beginning of the season, we did our opening podcast with our our parent podcast, and they they joined ours, and they all thought that we would finish fifteenth to relegation. We did zero investment in the summer and they were all doom and gloom. 
And I said, no, I said with this form and the way that they're playing in this setup, by the way, I'm still on the David Moyes fence and we can maybe get into that later. You probably think I'm crazy, but the way that they're set up and the way that they're playing, I said that, that we would still finish top half. I didn't say that we would finish in the Champions League. I didn't say we'd finish in Europe, but I figured around 10th and they all called me crazy. But I'm, and listen, I'm not a Nigel Farage guy, so they just put that out there. But there's a clip that everyone always says on Twitter. It's like, you all were laughing, but you're not laughing at me now, are you? And that's what I say to my friends because they all thought I was crazy and I said that we would have a great season. So um, what I, back to your question, did I think fifth? Uh, no. But I did think that we would be in a much better spot than a lot of other West Ham fans. And uh, I'm glad that the team's proven wrong. It's been a fantastic season to watch. Yeah. How's, how's the transition finally been into the Olympic Stadium? I miss Uptown Park, though, personally. So, so uh, if I could say, if I could do a quick story real quick, just yep. to get a background about me, if you don't mind, uh, for your listeners, I, I've been following West Ham maybe about 10 years now. Uh, I'm not some longtime fan. Uh, I'm not, I was not born into it. I picked West Ham on a win. Uh, I fo- started following around 2010, the year, the year before we got relegated. Mm-hmm. And I actually used to watch Liverpool more because that was what was on TV. I know yeah. you guys are soccer fans. You remember like Fox soccer channel back in the day? I do. That's what got me into it. I'm kind of late to the sport as well. So. Right. So for me, that who, that who was on TV on Fox Soccer Channel? It was either Man United or Liverpool every week. Yeah, it sounds just like NBC Sports now. <laughs> right. So exactly. So but I, I then didn't enjoy it. I was like, I didn't really have any jerseys or anything. I didn't really wasn't into it. I just was like, oh, I was just watching. I was like, oh, Liverpool's one again. Uh, but then I got just got into West Ham. I watched them play against Chelsea one game. I'm like, yo, this is my team. Uh, I really got into them. I followed them into the championship, watched on dodgy streams because in America you can't get the championship. And uh, back to the main story is we moved to the Olympic Stadium and I was like, I got to go. So I went over in 2015 and went to see my first ever game at the bowling ground at Upton Park. And uh, I went to two games there and they lost both. And I said, well, I can't go see us lose at the bowling ground. So I went back again later in the season, and we beat Sunderland 1-0. I went to my first ever London Derby, and we beat Spurs 1-0. Oh, and nice. I went to my first ever away game, and we came back and beat Everton 3-2 after being 2-0 down. It was the greatest day of my life, March 5th, 2016. Never forget that day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was incredible. And I, I moved to England, and I got – Are you season- in England now? No, I'm not in England anymore. I lived there for nine uh, for nine months, and I okay. I got season tickets. I still have season tickets for West Ham. So because of the stadium, back to your main thing was how's the London Stadium? It's great. You know they yeah. have fifty thousand <laughs> seats. So I have a season ticket. I go over uh, every two to three months, and uh, I enjoy the games. And good. Just trying to figure out where that's located. My uh, my London geography. I'm not that super familiar. I've been in London. East London. East London, by the Docklands, kind okay, of, sort of. Wherever yep. Cleveland Square, area, you know where um, the Paddington Station is? That's the yeah, London of area I know best because yeah. my cousin owns a flat maybe five blocks from Paddington Station. So mm. when I was – my mom was, uh, was from England. So when I, last, when I was in England visiting, she doesn't live in England anymore. She lives in either mm. France or Australia wherever it's summer. But I think the <laughs> Airbnb, their flat, 
and it was open and my, my other cousin was working. So I said, why don't you just go to London and, and you can bum around London for two days. Oh, I can do that. Well, keep and it me was, updated uh, where that's yeah. at because I might have to have to join you. Yeah, I know Paddington Station well because I, I when I lived in Oxford, uh, I took the train right, every it's Saturday. Right on that line, that's right. Yep, right. I took the train from Oxford to Paddington, and I took the uh, uh, the Brown Line to to the Circle Line out to um, Stratford. So that's that's right. how I went to the games. Yeah, I remember I walked to Queens Park uh, Stadium. I said, ah, "What's that? Like five miles? I'm gonna walk." Yep, Loftus Road. I I never got to go there. But yeah, so uh, I I, so here's where I'm about to get some shtick from your listeners, if any of them are West Ham fans. But from a from an American perspective, and and, and this is where I get a lot of shtick from my own uh, my own listeners on my podcast. Uh, I I secretly like the London Stadium. I do. I think it's uh, massive. I think it's beautiful, but it's also very American. You know, I I know you're in C. Uh, wait, Duffy, you're in Seattle, right? Yeah. Okay, so you know, uh, Century Link is that what it's yep. still called? Well, Lumen Field now. Massive. I haven't been in it since the name change. Yeah. And Stephen, you're in Buffalo, right? Oh yes. Uh, I'm not sure the name of your stadium, but you know, you guys are around two massive stadiums. Yeah. To me, it's very American. You're not close to the pitch. Uh, it's very big. It's very touristy. There's a lot going on. It's 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 and that's why I like it. It feels very normal to me. But I'm actually pretty was... close to the pitch, though. <laughs> In all fairness, my seats are awesome. So I'm I'm literally right by the right behind the bench. You know, I mean, granted, it's maybe like 20, 30 feet, but uh, it's still pretty close. You know, but think about it compared to some of the English grounds. In, yeah. in, in in a way. So uh, I can see if I was an English fan and I've been, been going to Upton Park or Loftus Road or I've been going to a very close ground like that, I can – I they stole – these owners stole our soul. Yeah. We've we been at that ground for 112 years, you know. And yeah. and I, I wish we were still at Upton Park. Uh, I, I don't want the move. I don't want the London Stadium, which is contradictory to what I said. Yeah. Uh, however, I like it. Because I forced myself to like it. Yeah. Because there's not another option. No, and it's sad for the businesses that made their living around Upton sure. Park. That absolutely now, you know, when your business is, uh, you know, game day crowds, and then the game day crowds move. You know, it's like Highbury. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I don't think Arsenal's been good since they left Highbury. Because when they were in Highbury, they were good. They were really mm-hmm. good. And they they've been okay, but uh, and I also I don't think they have the ambition, you know, as much as they talk about it. They just well, uh, they are a small team, so. <laughs> hey, I West Ham was the West Ham was the last team to beat Arsenal at Highbury, and the first team to beat Arsenal at the Emirates. Just a little fun fact for you. Because that was one of my first teams in England that I really got into was Arsenal, just because uh, the name was cool. I liked Dennis Burkamp, and just they were fun to watch, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, yeah, that was pretty much that was pretty much everybody yeah. in the states about that time because yeah. I, mean, I remember because I came in with the Chelsea teams of two thousand four is when I is when I started seeing because I had a I had a coach I was working with that got the that um taped the games off of Chelsea TV so that I mean. That's how I know. That's how I got on the sport. Now, obviously, I wised up because 
nobody needs to be a Chelsea or an Arsenal fan. That's just not right. Of course, so I pick Liverpool. God forbid, but there's there's a team in between all of that. But yeah. and I didn't write about Liverpool for my first book, but sure. Sure. If I was going to say, I, if I had an English team, it would be Villa, just because I've been there. I went and saw him play when yeah. I was in Birmingham. So, you know, and yeah. it was at the stadium. It's the, the, I don't know how old you are, but I know when we went to Villa, me and my cousin's husband, and he's probably uh, 60 now, you know, because we're old. Uh, I'm old. I'm old, according to other people, not according to myself, because I don't feel old or at me. All. Uh, you know, 57 going on 17. Um, but, uh, I know when Boyd was buying the tickets, cause I was still in route cause I flew mm-hmm. over and he's, they asked, well, how old are you? And he put us in a section. I think all the other similar aged people are like, man, I want to be over with the nuts, you know? Yeah, exactly. Though I did think the guy next to me was going to have a heart attack is, um, they were down, they were down and done. They were, you know, three nothing i think they were down against sheffield united and then mm. you know and then they came roaring back and they tied it so you know and i love the english fan because i i think soccer is a love-hate relationship with the english they love it and they hate it with equal passion you know they love their team and they hate their team because i'm watching these villa fans before the game it's all about the love and then during the game people are getting fed up and you know Oh, it's horrible. It's disgusting. And they're storming. I had people storming out right at the second half when mm-hmm. uh, I think Sheffield scored again. The crowd starts leaving and, you know, and then they come roaring back and everyone's all excited to say, oh, it's you guys. If I've learned anything in all my years of being a season ticket holder at Sounder Games is never leave early. Never. If they, no. I, my thing is, if they can endure no. getting pummeled, so can I. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things I want to do is, I mean, I'm, if we're allowed out of the country this year yeah. in September, I'm, I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go to a Celtic game with um, Cal McFadden this year, but um, I do want to one of these years with my dad still alive. I want to do London because yeah. there's, mm-hmm. um, because um, one of my degrees is in military history, so you've got the um, Imperial War Museum there. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to go through, I want to kind of, and I know you can't really walk London, but I, I want Why not? I did. Oh, I would do it in a heartbeat. I mean, I, I don't own a car, so I can walk all over the place. doesn't show on my waistline, but that's a whole other issue. Um, I, I'm gonna make you a walking tour. I, give yeah, me, give me some go. homework. I will make you a walking <laughs> tour. Give me like two weeks, and I'll plan it all out for you. Oh, because one of the things I want to do is see those old stadiums. Now, yeah. is 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 the old West Ham Stadium still up, or is it, or did they take it down? No, it's condos now. But I got yeah, a list. I got a list for too. you. Yeah. That, see, that's the thing I don't like about the UK is they take down the stadiums. Now, obviously, in America, they've done it, too, here, because, like, things like the Metrodome is long gone. And, like, they they just took, I think they just took Silverdome down. It may have been even worse than that. But, I mean, something like that, if you go over and see where West Ham used to play, I mean, 
The ones in stadium. Wow. Yeah. Or old hot or old Tottenham Stadium. Highbury. I mean mm-hmm. Didn't they build the new Tottenham Stadium on the grounds of the old Tottenham Stadium? So essentially it's still uh the same stadium. Yeah, that yeah. was a weird atmosphere for me. I actually was at I it was my first ever London Derby away. So I went to Spurs away. Uh, it was one of the last ones at White Hart Lane, the old one. Mm-hmm. And they were currently building the stadium during the game. Like they had part of their ground cut out because they were using it to build the new ground. It was it was a really bizarre atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it was it was the season right before they moved to Wembley. Yeah. Um, that, that, and we ended up, we're up one nil in the 89th minute and lost two one. I was, uh, sick to my stomach the rest mm-hmm. of the night, but yeah, but yeah, I mean that, that, that's what they did. And I wish that was something that we did. And apparently there was low key, uh, option for them to redevelop two more stands and build over a road so that they could stay in that location. Yeah. Uh, and they, they chose to redevelop the London stadium, which, you know, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of reasons they tear those stadiums down isn't for anything. It's other than, I mean, England's an island, so there's only so much land. So, you know, uh, I think they just need the, they just feel they the need, need the to space. Develop. Yeah. yeah. So I don't they... think it's anything, anything against the history or anything. I think it's just, uh, we can't have this standing idle because, uh, you know, it's, Nah, it's rich people going to rich. It has yeah. nothing to do with the island or nothing. It has to do with being right, able to make enough. money. I was, to I, be, I was trying to be. You nice. was trying to be nice. No, <laughs> no. If you learn anything from the Super League, these these motherfuckers is just trying to make some money. Oh, no, that's, that's true. I get that. And you know, if you think yeah. about it, I mentioned this uh, on Cardic. Cardic had a whole long tweet, so I was commenting on that. And, and it's, you know, if we take a step back for a minute, the Premier League was founded by a bunch of greedy guys who wanted a bigger piece of the pie. I mean, mm-hmm. and so some of that's the chickens coming home to roost a little bit, you know, because they were a breakaway, you know. And if you look at it, the good of the game in England, I don't think the Premier League has been anything but not good for England because the Premier League only cares about the Premier League. The the football league, you know, the, everyone down below, you know, mm-hmm. they they have to fight. Uh and if I do think England does one thing, well, the the Premier League's implement, implementation of VAR, I I can't I haven't watched the Premier League game Horrible. in over a year and a half because because I can't do it. You know, if you are a if you you know it's cold and you and you sneeze and you have a snot bubble that's offside and it's offside and they have to take five different angles and they have to break it down by draw a gear, the lines. That's not offside. You know, that's not clear and obvious. That's not what VAR is for. You know, it's clear and obvious. You know, the, if it's um, the World Cup where the guys, you know, shoots it and it scores and then the ref didn't see it and he doesn't credit England with the goal, that's what VAR is for. Not for a guy who sneezed and, you know, and is a wafer offside, you know, by spectrum analysis. <laughs> you know, because... It, it, all they've done is made the officiating in England worse because these guys, they they get they're second guessing themselves. And you think about it, as much as we rank on refs, and and bad refs are everywhere and good refs are everywhere. If you look at it, for the most part, they have to make these decisions quick, and they actually do a pretty good job. So there part I said the, it. Part of the issue with the VAR for me is I don't understand why they don't just adopt the NFL rule. 
and this is what and this is where I'm I, I strongly stand on my podcast with this almost every week we're complaining about VAR and I, I mean we're probably losing because we have this losing listeners because we have the same argument every week but there should be three standards it either over, overturned stands I don't know if you guys are NFL guys too but you know yeah over, overturned stands or or um, confirmed yeah so something happens is he offside they look at it for 15 seconds. They either it's clear and obvious that they're going to overturn it. They're not sure, so the call is going to stay with whatever happened on the field. Yeah. Or the call actually, um, or uh, it stands or whatever. You know what I'm yeah. trying to get at I without do. rambling. I'm not going to take up more time. I'll let you keep going, but it, it's yeah. ridiculous. I think they should do it like rugby. Rugby does it the best of anybody because the ref on the field is still in charge, and he'll ask the guy. He'll ask his opinion, you know, like, what do you think? Or he'll just say, I need you to check the grounding, you know. I don't know if you're a rugby guy. Uh, uh, I like to watch the international matches. But he'll say, you know, check the grounding, and th- you follow those specific instructions. Yeah, the grounding was good. Or, you know, I want to ask you this. He'll give the, this is what I want you to look at, and that's what he'll look at, you know. And, they, or, and you hear the whole conversation. Right, and that's the other thing. Yeah, and if he thinks there's foul play – he will ask, and he, and the guy will give his opinion, like, well, I think, uh, you know, it's this, but it's, you know, and it's still the guy's call. I watched this thing about the A-League, and they were talking to an A-League ref. I think he's in the championship now, or he's moving over. And they, he mm-hmm. mic'd him up, and he was talking the conversations, and he goes, yeah, it's a good goal. Uh, and the, and they're talking, he goes, no, no, no. And, you know, and he's talking to a uh, uh, player and he goes no it's good the, the goal's gonna stand it uh, it wasn't offside it's fine and everyone's booing he goes i can go and look at the var just to just to sell it if you want but, <laughs> but he's like yeah. no i've made my mind up it's good i saw it you know so and not yeah. always it's you can't always tell i mean if you when they're doing reverse angle and this and that it's it's just not worth the effort and you know as a fan, you get frustrated when you sc- – I mean, I've had it here when I, we've scored, and then they go and look, and I just – oh, crap. You know, when they decide to look, generally it's not good. You know. No. <laughs> I, I've had that same feeling in the NFL since the 90s. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bills fan. I, and you were saying, Tony, what's the name of the stadium? I've lived in Buffalo for 15 years. I still call it the Ralph. Mm-hmm. It used to be Rich Stadium back in the day, wasn't well, it? Before yeah, it was rich. Was yeah. yeah, it was rich, but they changed it to the Ralph because Ralph, it was a greedy SOB the end of his life. Great man. Great man. My fa- my um, He's very well thought of here in Buffalo, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, we don't have the Bills and the Raiders don't exist without Ralph Wilson. So, but anyway, I have never thought highly of going to the cameras because it always screws up. But mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's, the, that's the thing with the sport. I mean, if you, if you go back and retroactively use that for certain things, I'm sure we, I'm sure there's many world cups that could have gone the other way. Yeah. Many other ways, and that's mm-hmm. why I don't. That's why I, you, I really don't talk on the modern game, and I only write history around the world at this point because it's just 
not worth it. Liverpool got their title, so now I want to see the better. T- I want to see the other teams get one, like w- the West Ham's, the Southamptons, the small right. teams like like Arsenal or um, Cardiff or something. What you're missing, yeah. What you're missing, Tony, is I have been for what is it, five six years ripping Arsenal for no reason, <laughs> for no reason. It started out, Tony, as I I used to coach um, refugees for a while, and to raise mm-hmm. money for the team, we did a street soccer for adults. Okay. Now okay. we have a lot of teams that come in for it. Some are ethnic, some are Scandinavian like me, to put it nicely. Um, and then about 90% of the teams are the Arsenal fan group here in Buffalo. It's a 5v5 game. Uh-huh. They enter 10 teams. 50 people? Holy smoke. And they say that's not even all of them. I've joked for years. Turn a corner, you're going to run into an Arsenal fan. Mm-hmm. Easily. That's why I like, I don't do Arsenal. Now, we have a good friend, Robert Hay, who used to do, used to be my backup co-host on this, when he still did stuff, who is a big Arsenal fan. And I just ridicule him immensely on it. I actually text him that every once in a while. But, I mean, I kind of want to see the next group of teams because for every, oh, you can't do it, is a Leicester City. Mm-hmm. That's not saying that with – now, I don't like David Moyes. And it's not because of how he plays. I, I could see how it works. He just bugs me for some strange <laughs> reason. He bugs us. He bugs us too, but he's doing it this season, so I'll let him slide. And I kind of think West Ham is due for, and it's weird with you guys, for the name and the players you guys have had, there should be more silverware with you guys. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I do want to add to the the point of, of it's time for us to win some silverware and, and do all that. We we've turned, we've the biggest issue West Ham has is recruitment. We spend a lot of money, a, a, a big gripe West Ham fans have with the owners is they don't spend money. And I disagree with that. They spend a lot of money. Um, they spend it extremely poorly. Yeah, and then they, the then they cry that they have no money. The owners say all the time that they don't have any money to invest. Well, uh, if you didn't waste money on 40, 45, 50 million pound players that you resell for 15 two years later, you would have money. Look at Leicester City. I'm glad you brought them up. That is a beautifully run club that I'm extremely envious of. Yeah, their they owners just built... voted the best owners in the Premier League. It's uh, incredible. In article I was reading. You know. it's, it's incredible, man. Because if you look at what they have done with their recruitment, flipping Conte, and, and um, uh, Chilwell and a bunch of other their players that they got on the cheap, and 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 they reinvested in more players that will have good and be good investments. Yeah. And then they just rebuilt their entire training and youth facilities. I mean, it's stunning. 
it's stunning and it's incredible what they do so it's amazing what they do out there i mean because it's not like they're in a metropolitan area either no and they have a niche fan base and a in a re in a decently sized stadium i actually got i took my dad to his first ever away day uh two years ago before covid and uh i took him up to leicester and we i mean we're obviously in the away end and and doing our thing and standing and cheering. He got to see an away goal and the scenes and carnage. It was incredible. Uh, but that it's a beautiful stadium in a niche city, and they, they do their thing. It's a great – it's a beautifully run club, and I'm jealous. Yeah. Your owners were voted the 16th worst owners in the Premier League in this article and, I've, I saw. You know. It's not surprising, and yeah. it's not surprising. And, and, and back to your thing about West Ham not having any silverware – uh, the the last cup, I believe, oh, goodness me, 1980 was the FA Cup win, and I want to say against Fulham. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. Obviously, I wasn't even born yet. Uh, yeah. That tells you how long it is. I'm 27. Um, you know, we won our Betway Cup, our sponsor summer league. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I do want to add, and, I, and I, that's not what you were accusing me of, but I do want to add about being a West Ham fan is I don't follow for the – success um the greatest thing about west ham for me is although there's a lot of a lot of turmoil (laughs) a lot but the the way when we win it means so much more than anyone will ever understand um and, and that for me is so beautiful that I, and, and it's nothing against someone who supports – I know you guys support top teams, and I'm not even accusing you all of anything. But the way that I feel after that we take out Chelsea or we beat Spurs or even when we beat someone dumb like Fulham, like some, some smaller team that's not successful, our wins mean so much more, and I, it just is euph- – euphoric is that how i don't even know how to pronounce that word so when we have a a fantastic season like this i'm on cloud nine i'm stressing about champions league my buddy who clay is a chelsea fan he does this shit every year i'm like how do you handle this success like expecting to win every game i couldn't do it no i love waking up on a saturday one more thing i bought i love waking up on a saturday morning expecting to lose and then somehow you win and your whole weekend's made it's funny you say that. I remember one year where we were in the Open Cup because my team is the Sounders, obviously. But right, I don't, I don't right. really support any other club. I, I mean, I, I like Celtic just because I'm I'm English. I'm actually Scottish. My mom is, is Scottish and Catholic, so you know Celtic was kind of our yep. family team. So, uh, but you know, I remember one year we were in the Champions League, we were in the league, and we were in the Open Cup, and it was literally. Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday for like four weeks. And we, mm-hmm. I was just going to games all the time. And at one point I finally go, I don't know how the players can do this. Cause I'm exhausted. And I'm just, I mean, granted, I, I'm not a passive watcher. And when I'm in the stadium, cause I never, you know, you don't sit down, especially if it's raining, you don't want to sit down because if you exactly. sit down in the rain, you expose more of your area to <laughs> rain. So you want to stand up. So you make a smaller profile. Uh, but yeah, it just meant it's exhausting. <laughs> Though it is pretty fun when you uh, win MLS Cup. I had a, I remember when I was having my physical uh, last year in the dock. Uh, have you ever had more than four beers at one time? I said, uh, well, probably when we won MLS Cup. So yeah. he just started laughing. Oh, okay. I suppose I give you a pass on that one. 
Uh, well, y'all know I'm a Union fan, so we won our no, first that... bit of silverware last year for that. But, you know, and we're in the Champions League we this year. We can talk about that great, but... for one yeah. second. Were you at that Open Cup game against us? I was. You mean the one in Philly? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I was how... there. You, I mean, I'm watching that game, and, and me and my kid are like, Oh, we lost. You know, when they stole, when we had the giveaway and the mm-hmm. guy, I can't remember, was right on the doorstep and he kicked it right to Stephen Fry. Uh, yeah, once it I got mean, to extra time, I go, okay, we're, we, I figured we would be okay when we got to extra time. But uh, when we had that giveaway and it was literally one on one guy against Steph. I mean, Steph and Steph had, was still finding his legs after the, because uh, he'd been out for so long with Toronto because we kind of got him on the cheap because everyone thought he was done. And that first year, he was he was up and down a lot. I mean, he had one giveaway against Vancouver. He went to clear it, clicked it right to a, a Vancouver guy, and he shot it in the empty net and scored. And mm-hmm. at, at the time, Ziggy wanted to yank him and put in the backup. And our Tommy Dutra, our goaltender coach, basically would not would not stand. He goes, no, you can't. You, we're going to go with this guy. And Tom Dutra I'm so, I, is the best goalkeeping coach in America. Uh, you know, Tom Casey Keller. Mm-hmm. You know, he's put a lot. Tom, you know, a lot of the national team players have played for him, goalkeepers. And he was adamant that Fry stay in. And then how they didn't win that game. Uh, I'm glad they didn't because you know that year was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, well, it was especially tough for me because obviously that win went into extra time. Yeah. And then we lost again the following year in the final on penalties. So yeah. it just it, it was never meant to be. But, you know, we've lost three to... Open Cup finals the Union have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you did great. get the Supporter Shield, though. So we, you got we did. Uh, but so I'm used to teams. Back to West Ham, if you don't mind. Like, I'm yeah. the, the reason I brought all that up was. I'm used to losing, and it's okay. Uh, the greatest thing about West Ham for me, uh, one one final story for you, because I don't know how long we're going to hang out. I'm cool all night. We could do 10 minutes for all I care. Um, but the greatest thing about West Ham for me, and this is going to be very cliche, uh, I have made so many amazing friends through West Ham that, my, it, that have completely changed my life. Um, and – I have a group of friends that I, I, I even stay with them at their house um, when I'm over there. Mm-hmm. And they're so kind and generous and let me stay there for free. Um, they were a, It was an older couple who um, took me in when I lived there. I was living in Oxford and they lived just outside of Reading. Um, and, and at the time I moved to England, I was 22. Uh, no, I was, what, 23. Either way, Um living in a whole new country and i i'll admit on your podcast i'm a mama's boy so (laughs) (laughs) right so this was a whole new world for me and there was a few times i needed a family and and they really took me in and and i only met them through west ham through twitter and and so uh yeah so it's just crazy what what football does it it brings people together and uh, I have season tickets to my favorite team in the world, and I go over every few months. And mm-hmm. respectfully, I couldn't do that if we were, if I was a Chelsea fan, or if I was a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan. Good luck getting season tickets, right? Yeah. Oh, Good God, luck getting yeah. a single game ticket. So I, I'm I'm so fortunate 
that my love for West Ham just just blossomed, and I know I'm being so romantic about it. Uh, That's all but right. That's football, the way man. the way that it just blossomed, and West Ham has changed my life for the better. Although the results are obviously terrible um, all yeah. the time, literally all the time. But other than this year, the the, the club. The fans, my friends, have changed my life, and I am just so thankful for for British football and and the way West Ham changed me. So that's why this news, even to bring this full circle to the Super League, uh, and why it's so disgusting and all that bullshit, is I was scared for my club. If, if as a West Ham fan, in although I joked about I wanted them to to break off and then fail, uh, the other six. Imagine what could have happened. What if no, my owner, like, what if English football died that day because of the money? My whole well, life I mean, would be shattered. Well, to be honest with you, and Tony, you're still a little young. The sport in the '80s and the sport now are two totally agreed different things. And not all that's I mean, bad. The, <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, some of the stuff uh, I. I'm reading you know, one of the books I'm reading right now, and I, I don't know if you've read it, Duffy. It's about, it's the player's book about the um, Everton team in the 80s. I've mm. got some – I haven't read the book, but I've got some match match games, uh, DVDs I'd bought of, of matches yeah. from the 80s. Yeah, it was it, – yeah. it's an interesting it world. It was a completely know. different time then because obviously being a Liverpool fan, that – from the from when Shakely Shakely steps there until um, Dagley leaves in ninety, mm-hmm. yeah, Dagley leaves in after after the um, Everton game. That's that's the time, but the sport never died in all the hooliganism and Thatcher legitimately trying to kill the sport in the eighties and trying to kill Liverpool the city of Liverpool in the eighties. So it would not have hurt it would not have killed the sport. What it would do and this needs to the sport needs a correction mm-hmm. anyway. And I argued this with Wanarongo last year is that COVID is a blessing in disguise in a way is that it's going to, you're going to see some transfers, especially this year. We're a year into it. We kind of know what we're doing now is that the valuations for players are going to continue to go back down again. You're Mm -hmm. not going to see some some Brazilian kid coming from Flamenco go for $45 million and play like two games. Right. Gonna, I mean, in, if you think Alan, Alan Shearer came from Southampton to um, Blackburn for a world record, and I think it was like $13 million at the time. Yeah, I read that in the club. I don't know if you guys read that book by yeah. Jonathan Clegg. Uh, fantastic. I have the um, Rover's Revolution, the book mm-hmm. about that whole Blackburn stuff. And think about that now. $13 million for arguably before his knee went to shit. 
<laughs> probably one of the best strikers yeah. England had seen since the eighties. And even yep. after his, even after his knee went to hell. I agree. That's a backup striker in the in the championship at this point. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, we point. we bought Jordan Hugel from the championship for ten million pounds. So same same concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, imagine what Shearer would be coming from Southampton nowadays. He'd probably oh, be a hundred. At least a hundred easily. Yeah. With yeah. what he was doing there, I mean, God forbid Matt, Matt Letizia ever took the Manchester United money. That would have been something like six or seven million. Now it would be 120, 140 mm-hmm. for what he is. So it's going to bring it down. It, it might help West Ham in the long run because you guys have money, but you don't have, oh, we're going to go get Killian Mbappe and type of money. Mm-hmm. No, hell no. No, absolutely not. You're right. I, I guess what I was, was going for more, though, is is maybe not kill the game of, of, of soccer, of football uh, in England, but you never know. It could have been or it could have been a uh, a Russian roulette bullet. Yeah. And you you don't know which team maybe would fold. You're 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 100 correct where where maybe the league would stay and Obviously, the finances really do need reshaped. I mean, uh, 80 million pounds for Maguire, whatever that was, is crazy. Even 50 yeah. or whatever it was. But I, I just, I was concerned because you, you just don't know. And the unknown yeah. was very scary. And and not because, uh, and and I'm not at a point where I would ever switch teams. Like I'm not. I would just maybe yeah. casually watch. I mean, yeah. I have I have multiple tattoos of West Ham on my body. Like I was, there's no way I am yeah. like I could switch teams. Nor I mean, would I want to, but I just that love just, is there. Yeah, just look at those teams in the league that the football league that went out like Barry, you know, uh, and stuff like that. You Almost know, so. Bolton, or yeah. or when 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 Wimbledon went to uh, MK Dons and they made another Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, imagine your club just ripped from you. My co-host Brawley. Uh, is a Saint was a Saint Louis Rams season ticket holder. Yeah, uh, and he had his club ripped from him to L.A. Yeah, so oh, uh, ripped yeah. out of L.A. and the that that was a whole weird deal. Yeah, but well, I also he think had U, he had his USL team taken away from him too. So yeah. me too, you were correct. So so poor Brawley has done this twice now. I, I couldn't do it with West Ham. So if this Super League would have went through and destroyed a lot of teams and West Ham. Now I would follow West Ham in in the uh, all the way down the conference if I had to. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. But it was more along the lines of what if they just disbanded completely, dissolved. Yeah. So uh, I. But thank God we're not there right now, and we yeah. got through this bullshit. Yeah. And I'm gonna be positive. But you know, I was scared. I was scared. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, at least the romance is dead. Uh, that's yeah. more, you know, because you look at the NFL. I think the NFL probably liked having no fans. I mean, they like the atmosphere, but they don't need fans. That's just bonus. They make so much money off their sponsorships. Oh, yeah. But you know. but I don't even understand the Super League thing. Like, if I was a fan, like, let's say you were a fan of, and, and like, that would get so boring. 
to play the same great teams over and over again. And also, if I was a fan of those clubs, of Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, they have some away season ticket holders who go up and down the country every single week. I mean, my, my group, they go to every single home and every single away game. Yeah. I, when I go over, I go to the away games and the home games when I'm over there. Like, they, they, they literally go to 38 games a year. I'll say 37 because they typically miss one. Yeah. Imagine you go to the Super League, and I'm sure every team has them, not just West Ham, but Chelsea no, and yeah. Arsenal has their away fans that who are consistently going. Mm. Imagine if you had that ripped from you. Yeah. Think of, I mean, I mean, my my buddy's wife knows not to schedule. And, I mean, if she wanted to, she could. He's not an asshole, but he, she <laughs> she knows not to schedule things from August to the first week of May. Yeah. On on the weekends because yeah. they know he's going up to Burnley or Hull or whatever. So imagine you join the Super League and your only away games are like Milan and Turin uh, and uh, Madrid and Barcelona. As great as that would be, that shit's expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that would not be fun. Well, anyway, what are you guys doing as far as being on air for the next couple of weeks? I mean, next next week or so. Uh, for for Brawley and I. Yeah. You know, most likely. So here here's where, this, and and I'm not sure. I don't know y'all set up, and I'm not gonna uh put, put. I don't know what your business is, and that's not for me to know. But you know, we we always say on our podcast, it, it it's very tough for Brawley and I to be consistent, um, because we we don't get paid. Uh, we actually take a loss, but we enjoy doing it, you know. Um, so typically we record on Sunday nights. Uh, Brawley has a brand new baby, and I just oh, bought man. a house and moved to Philadelphia. So uh, we're, we have very busy schedules, but ideally we play Chelsea this weekend uh, in obviously the biggest game of the season as of yet. Uh, winner gets a three-point advantage to go in the top four race. So I can almost assure you that there will be a podcast this week, either Sunday, uh, late, late, late Sunday night or, or Monday night into Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're about the same. We're about the same way. I'm at the other end. As I said at the beginning, I've been doing this since 2011. I'm, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, I'll just look about, I'll just look online going, all right, I'm going to talk to him. Or I, okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk to that team and then I'll go from there and work, work around from here because it's at this point with, with the sport, it's, it's, there's so many people doing podcasts and writing now. Jesus Christ. It's it's unbelievable. Which a lot of it's a lot of fun. I mean, you could, you could pinpoint stuff you want to listen to. And go from there. I mean, when we so when I started in 2011, um, CSRN was still around. That's long since gone, and most of the people are long since retired. Um, Beyond the pitch had just started. Total Soccer Show had just started. I remember that. Now, yeah, Total Soccer Show is still around. Beyond the pitch. Phil does it every so often at this point. And Total Soccer Show is daily, sometimes twice a 
Is that Jason Davis's show? No, no it's, it's United uh, States of Soccer. Yeah, it's um, it's Taylor, it's Taylor Rockwell's show. It used to be Taylor and Daryl, but Daryl died last year, so. Oh shit. Yeah, I, I was very, very close to Daryl. I've no, I knew Daryl since God. 2005. Mm-hmm. So, and even then, D- Duffy, you would appreciate this having gone to Birmingham. I, I don't know if you saw the um, picture, but I bought a um, Wolverhampton Daryl Grove number 40 jersey. Nice. Yeah. Right. I, I had to do it. And I, because that was his last jersey he got in the. Lesser teams. I don't know if I don't know if West Ham is doing this, but I know Southampton's jersey. I recently got and it was twenty 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 one. Was twenty bucks for me. Mm. I'm like, yeah, okay. they're, they're reselling cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the West Ham one is a triple X because I like to have some room with numbering. I feel you. It was fifty. That's not bad. No, not yeah, bad. With, like, with the lettering, well, the lettering itself is is typically twenty. So yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's crazy that the lettering costs half the jersey. Yeah, which which makes sense. And it was it was a new one. I almost did the third Portugal jersey as a just a because I know Daryl had a lot of fun with that, but yeah. That was fun. No, we're, we're kind of as laid back as we possibly can be. If if there's nothing I see, like during the pandemic when everything closed down last year, I think we did like two. We tried to do like, the like the the uh, remember the remember the game, but those are those are actually more work than uh, you know just go watching a game that's you know because then we got to go back and you know well right okay, and, and... but. No. We both have, I mean, like, for example, Brawley and I both have full-time jobs. Yeah. And, and and like he said, and like I said, he has a baby. But but the other issue I have, and, and Brawley edited this out of our last podcast uh, because uh, I went off on a little tangent. So I'll keep it a little more friendly this week. <laughs> um, but And I'll keep it much shorter since I'm a guest on your podcast and it's oh, not my podcast. But uh, th- we were the first – and I'm going to keep this very civil because I do like majority of the other podcasts, but we Brawley and I started our podcast because we were the only Americans doing one for West Ham specific podcast. Um, There was still maybe four or five other podcasts uh, for in the West Ham space at the time. Uh, And they were all actually very kind and helpful for us to grow because we were not, we were not their competition. Yeah. You know, we're, we're two Americans. We're, we're talking about a complete different fandom, a complete different perspective. But nowadays, Jesus Christ, we, Brawley and I have been doing this for three and a half years now, I believe. And in that time, I think that there's now maybe six American West Ham podcasts alone. Wow. Yeah. So uh, every, everybody wants to do a podcast. Uh, a few of them are great and a few of them aren't. Uh, but we have some ones that we're very friendly with um, and a few other ones that are fine. Um, and I'm not going to say any names because I don't need to get hostile. I know that we really enjoy doing ours and I'm very, uh, thankful for anyone who does listen to, to our podcast. And uh, I'm going to throw a quick plug in there. Uh, it's uh West Ham way us pod on Twitter. So if you want to do yeah. that or myself, Tony Clark Duke, 
Um, and we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and it's it's very intermediate. And so maybe that's why other people yeah. like other pods that are more consistent. But we we just do it because we love doing it. We don't make yeah. any money, and we're not we're not, obviously not professionals. It's just something fun. I get to hang out with one of my best friends. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Well, that, this has been fun, Tony. I, we definitely have to get you on during the during MLS season when you guys play. Now, I'm going to throw the whole other thing in here because you haven't heard the story about how I have Duffy on here. Now, <laughs> no, I haven't. I, please. Okay. Now, I Duffy is my fifth or sixth co-host at this point. I um. I shot my mouth off on Twitter about, what, four years ago? Was that four or five years ago? five, I think, yeah. Yeah. I'm a Portland Timbers fan. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And I've always been friends with Duffy on social media because he's, when he actually still used it, and he's smart by not using it anymore. Um, Very friendly, fun to deal with. I actually have a <laughs> I actually have a um, Sounders scarf in my collection from when I did podcast scarves when I lost my first job through this. I didn't know that once I printed up the scarves, I'd get a full-time job back with a better pay. Lost that eight months later, but that's a whole other issue. Anyway, um, so... When the Sounders were playing Toronto, and I'm literally right there. I've been to a Toronto FC match pretty recently. My dad likes to go to soccer matches just to do it. Anyway, um, when they were going to MLS Cup, I shoot my mouth off on Duffy on Twitter saying, well, since Toronto is going to win, anyway, and I go, well, if Sounders win, you can come. Let's have you on. We could. You can go and talk about it. <laughs> now, I never knew that Duffy actually went to school to do this stuff in the eighties. So I'm just thinking I'm just getting some random guy on that is very active about this stuff. Posts a lot about the team. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. So the ball goes in at the second one, and I'm going shit. Shit, 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 shit. Mm-hmm. I got to actually talk about this. My co-host at the time was very analytical about the sport. Really good. Chris was very smart and good. He was kind of an elitist. Oh, okay. With it. Smart, really nice guy. And he's gotten completely off social networking. He's deleted his face. He's deleted his emails, too. Which, oh, damn. Again, smart. Anyway, so I have Duffy on, and behind the scenes, Chris and I are texting going, damn, this guy's good. Damn, Duffy's good behind it. <laughs> this this was an interview. Going. Yeah, apparently yeah. it was, a, it was an, an audition. I didn't even know it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't either. So Chris is texting me going, hey, we should have him on more often. Needless to say, Chris, about a month later, tells me. month or two later. I don't remember how much later it was. Yeah, I don't either. You came. But it was a while. Chris says, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I, have, I went back into coaching. 
So my thought with Chris was, oh, shit, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to cancel the pod, and I was fine with that. I was coming up to forty. I didn't, I didn't write the book yet, so I'm like, whatever, I'm done. I've done enough, mm-hmm. and I put that out on Twitter, and people are going, oh no, 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 you can't go. I couldn't pull Carter Krishnayer out of retirement. I'm like, because I call him right off the bat. I'm like, you, I need you to come on Tuesday. She's like, I, I, I can't do that. I'm working too much in the, what I'm doing out of here. He, right, he, right, tells yeah. me, he tells me, he goes, get Duffy. He goes, get Duffy on air. At least make him the co-host until you figure out what you're doing. So four years later, he's still on. Yeah, I have not ended the pod, and uh, I'll probably be ending it at fifty-seven when I'm probably on my tenth <laughs> co-host from there. <laughs> hey, life begins at fifty. Just so you guys keep that in mind. So I'm I'm coming close. I'm coming close. I'm forty-two at this point. So, oh lower. Well, anyway, yeah, we're like, well over too far. <laughs> too far from there. Anyway, um, I'm gonna k- take it at. Do all right, and that was good. We'll talk to you next week.